So welcome, Francoise. We are here on our first, again, um, episode of 8020 Agency TV and podcast and hopefully a few other um, platforms with this content. But welcome to you as our special guest. And it's kind of funny because I work with you every day. Um, so for everybody who's out there, Francoise is the creative director at 8020 Agency. And um, we've been talking about this for a while, and it's fun to actually share our thoughts, our observations, and a little bit of our expertise, if we can be bold enough to say that. Say that. But I think it's important to share what, what we have going on here and what we have picked up on, and walk the talk and share our content. So um, I know there, and I want to let everybody know that I am quite proud to have um, found Francoise and she is top-notch talent and that's the one thing I can claim that I am good at. I'm good at finding great people and she comes to us from Knoxville. She was at an agency down there and previously she was at Michigan State University. Um, so to get things rolling, why don't you take over and tell us about your background and a little more details of how you end up, ended up here as creative director. Sure, so I'm originally from Metro Detroit uh, and grew up there and then went to Michigan State University where I got a bachelor's in fine arts in studio art, which was kind of our art geared graphic design degree. Uh, so I also studied painting and a very intense sounding uh, concentration called electronic arts and intermedia. Um, graduated from there and stayed and worked for uh, university advancement and development and started as a student intern way down the totem pole and stayed for years, about five years, and ended as the art director for the Alumni Association. So had a very steady climb up through a lot of different positions to end at that. I worked with many, many students there and ended up getting a job at an agency. Got the itch to try something different and have some new challenges and get out of in-house design. So I got a job down in Knoxville, Tennessee and moved down, down there and worked for a small agency. There was only about 28 people, I think, at the time I left. And we did a full service, big, big range of clients, a lot of higher ed, which was a big reason I went there because it was familiar territory. Um, yeah, and then kind of by chance, uh, a job opened up here in Bloomington uh, for my husband actually at the university. And we figured it was too good to pass up. So we came up here and I think through several strokes of luck, you and I found each other and uh, yeah, got this position here. Good. So I, this is kind of off the cuff, but how do you like Bloomington? I love it. It's so funny. And I, I was just talking about it this weekend that it feels a lot more like home than Tennessee did. And Tennessee was wonderful, you know, no shade there. Uh, but coming back further north towards the Midwest more is definitely uh, a welcome comfort. So if you're gonna pick one key thing that people would wanna know or you would love to share that's unique and just fun, fun about Bloomington or that you love, what would it be? I, especially because of where we live now, that now that we've moved out of town a little bit, we have this really nice juxtaposition of being in town and having limitless opportunities because of the university and all that that brings. And then where we are, we're kind of in the middle of nowhere and we get to enjoy that still and have that really nice balance of feeling like everything is at your fingertips but it's not a big city uh, and being able to get out of town really easily. Yeah and you have a beautiful location where you yeah. have your new home so yes. um, that's exciting. Um, so 
back to your career type of stuff. Have you always wanted to be a graphic designer? Has that been your plan right from you know your high school years? I knew I wanted to be in the arts in some way, but my first real career goal was to go into medical illustration. So when I started at Michigan State, it was a big reason I chose that university because I was able to merge a human biology degree path and that studio art degree path. So um, I was very lucky to have been involved in a professorial assistantship uh, when I entered the university and it meant that I got to start working as a medical illustrator, a student medical illustrator, um, right away. So I got to work in the dissection lab and with uh, staff in the radiology department and kind of dip my toes in the water and see how I liked it. And I ended up finding myself craving more of the art side. So uh, I loved being the only art person in a field of a bunch of uh, faculty and staff that were very analytical. And I did things like host sessions of um, teaching them how they could make their presentations visually more effective. They have some of the biggest lectures on campus, over 600 people. So we did things like font testing as part of one of my research projects, made slides for them to put up and test which were most legible and had the entire 600 person lecture hall vote on what they could read best. Um, and that I think kind of sealed the deal and I was like, oh, I wanna, I wanna do that. So I leaned in, um, kept up with some human bio on the side, but then stuck with design and I think found a good home for myself there. Great, well it's a big change from, it seems, to what you're doing now. Um, so how, how has your career changed as a graphic designer, um, going from medical illustration to you know, a true graphic designer doing only graphic design to what you're doing now? How, how has your life and your work changed? It has become exceptionally more diverse. So starting out, I think in a good way, it was a lot more about building skills, uh, learning production in particular was a really big hurdle um, of learning that I, I don't think I necessarily accomplished within my degree path. So once I gained all of that, by the end of my time, especially at Michigan State, I was still very focused on production and communication management type things. Uh, and since then, and mainly with this role here, it's become much more broad. So uh, I spend a lot more time helping in strategy and developing what the goal is from the get-go and what kind of things we're going to produce from the beginning. Um, helping coordinate video shoots and giving direction on messaging. So a lot more hands-on in the best way possible. <laughs> yes, and I'm so thankful for that because I, I asked for you a lot more advice than just graphic design yes. expertise. But um, it's been a lot of fun and super helpful. I'm glad you like it. I hope you like it. <laughs> um, so what type of um, people do you think in, in terms of personalities and characteristics make for good or great graphic designers? I think, I think to, to rewind, I think what is a good designer now is a really holistic designer. It's a little bit more difficult to be successful with a really narrow path in design these days. You kind of have to know a little bit of everything. So because of that, I think curious people make the best designers because not only do you need to be able to learn a ton of side skills, but 
by nature, the software that we use to make what we make is constantly evolving. I mean, we get new updates all the time and there's new tools that you need to learn and the industry standard rises as those tools rise. So to stay on top of that wave, you have to be curious, you have to look for it and say, oh, how did that person make that? And, and look for the next thing kind of perpetually. <laughs> yes, and open to change, right? Very open to change. So that's another really good point, actually. Being open to criticism is a massive part of this job. Um, a lot of people who enter it are naturally creative, and there's a certain sense of ownership that comes when you make something yourself, you know, from scratch. You get this idea, you build it, and then to have someone take a critical eye to it can sometimes just be like, oh, a knife to the heart, right? Uh, and when it becomes your job, it's a business. So you need to be able to split that up just a little bit and have really good rationale for your creative decisions in a strategic way. But take the criticism. If someone doesn't like something, that's okay. It's, it's not on you, you know? Right, exactly. Yeah. And um, what would you say are some skills that you need um, as a designer or to be a great designer that are beyond the Adobe suite? Yeah, so theoretically, if, if you're a rock star in the Adobe suite, that's a great foundation. Uh, it doesn't necessarily make you rise to the pile of, let's say, a stack of resumes. Um, that's not a differentiating factor anymore. And it kind of used to be because the programs were still being learned so much. So now things like uh, any type of motion design is a huge bonus. Uh, business skills in general, um, kind of having that business mindset will help you work better. Let's say you're at an agency. Having a business mindset and best, better time management will help you work well with account managers and brand managers. Um, decent copywriting skills will help you work a lot better with the copywriters because those things are completely inseparable in design. Good design is about effectively communicating a message visually, so you have to kind of have a push and pull with those staff members if you're at a place that has them. Visually, you could have come up with a great solution. If the copy doesn't fit it, then it's not a great solution and vice versa. So that's become bigger and bigger. Writing for social media, a lot of designers who are tasked with social media graphics now have to write the captions themselves too. So it's huge, huge. Yes, exactly. And, and the, you know, the ultimate goal of a great ad or a great message is to be um, clever and concise. So yes. if you can know words and have suggestions on words and copywriting, it, it just makes, you know, the project can go so much better. But if you have no input and no idea of how to, you know, suggest better content, um, you're just, you know, relying on what was given to you. And I think it's intimidating to a lot of designers. There's a lot of old jokes of people saying things like, I'm in design because I can't write or I can't do math or X, Y, Z. And they're just not so dissimilar. You're finding creative, witty solutions visually, and it's the same with copy. You just have to apply that same mindset. And you, I think more people would be better at it than they think as long as they, they do it properly. <laughs> yes. And I think the agencies or whoever you're working for, even if it's in-house, to be open to everyone's suggestions. And sometimes they say, oh, no, you're not the writer. And I don't think that's fair. And, and obviously, we try to uh, embrace that you know, philosophy. I mean, there's, I don't care where the idea comes from. Give me ideas, because um, don't hold back. Yeah, and if you, if, you, if you go to a workplace that doesn't have that kind of environment that we have here, 
it's good to be the ad advocate for it and say, no, I, I, I do have these ideas or, hey, if we cut out these couple words, this is what the design could look like. And I think more places would knock down some of those silos that tend to happen in the creative process. And really the work just gets astronomically better when that's the case. Yes, yes. Okay, Nat, let's jump over to one of our favorite hot topics. It's, you know what I can say? Yeah. Grammar. Yay, grammar. How important is grammar in our world? Uh, incredibly. And even in the world of design, it is it, it needs more light shed on it. I'm a huge, huge advocate for using proper grammar. And a big part of that is that it's a, it's a technical issue in design. There are different glyphs for these different punctuation marks that you have to use correctly to have proper, effective communication and design. N dashes versus M dashes, you know, different types of quotation marks. They're very important when it comes to professional communications. Uh, there's, there's kind of this idea sometimes I think that typing has become so automatic because we use spell check and there's all these measures that can help. Grammarly, for example, wonderful resource. Um, but in design, when you're building it yourself, it's way more DIY. When you're typing it in that box, you have to be the one to say, I want this glyph to show up here. and make sure that it's in the right place and not having that can dismantle a piece, especially on something like social media. You have such a short amount of characters. If there's a mistake in that, then however many hundreds or thousands of people see it right away and it devalues your brand. Yes, exactly. And then another hot topic is um, proof, proof, proof. Right? Yep. So how important is proofing? And do you have any tips and suggestions in your years of expertise of having to go through multiple proofs, and we know yeah. that part of doing great design means gobs of iterations, which um, you have to have patience with, but how important is proofing? It's completely essential to completing anything well. Um, my biggest tip would be to have a visual proof that you've run through. So if, if it's me making something and I'm the only person that's really gonna look at it, ideally there'd be multiple people, but I have to split it up. I have to proof it just for the language, which is really difficult when you've been staring at something for you know, 10 revisions, the words kind of turn on you a little bit. Um, so you have to read it back. Uh, there's the old trick of one, one word at a time, and sometimes you, you go backwards down a line and then forwards to help kind of cut out your assumptions on what you think you're reading. Uh, so one proof just on language, just letters, just punctuation, uh, and then another proof of proofing if your document is built correctly, proofing your color spaces and all that kind of, you know, do you have proper bleeds and all that kind of stuff. But don't do it all at the same time because you will miss things on one or the other if you don't kind of split your brain for that moment. Yeah, and it's we've all missed missed something in proofing and it just makes you crazy. So um, that's why I would say proof, proof, proof like at least three times. Absolutely. Um, and that's a bare minimum. Um, so what advice would you give to all those young whippersnappers out there wanting to get into graphic design? <laughs> what, what's the advice you would give? Oh gosh, um, I think what I like to say is just ask as many shameless questions as you can. Uh, being a student and having the social status as a student gets you a really 
long rope with people and reaching out to industry professionals and asking just kind of shameless questions like, hey, I'm thinking about going into this or how do you do this? Um, people are a lot more willing to be patient and, and respond to students asking those questions instead of, you know, who are people who may be considered professionals already. Um, so uh, use that to your advantage. Ask a lot of questions. If you're curious about a field, there's no reason you shouldn't be able to reach out and find someone in it and have them become a mentor, um, which is another huge thing. If you can find someone that's kind of on that path that you, you at least see, hey, that next step, they're in that next step that I want to be in. Just hold on to each other. And most of the time I find that once you learn something, you can't wait to teach someone else. So be the person that gets that knowledge that someone's just waiting to share. Exactly, yes. So we left something out from your intro. You're an instructor here at Indiana University. I say here because it's literally across the street. <laughs> a couple yes. blocks down. Um, so anyways, tell me about your experience experience as an instructor for graphic design and um, how to, what are tips would you give to students to get the most of their graphic design classes and should it just be graphic design students? I know you've talked about um, people from different programs taking your course. Oh yeah, so I taught this past academic year uh, an intro to graphic design class. It was my first time formally teaching and I think a big reason why I was so excited was because I had so much experience managing students at Michigan State that that became one of my favorite parts of my job was teaching students, especially things like production and things that I knew I didn't fill in my degree necessarily and try to give them that huge head start. Like, okay, you gotta be ready to run when you hit your first full-time job outside of school. Um, so teaching is like that amplified, right? Because they're really there to learn um, and you, you mo literally get them in a bubble with you for three hours, two days a week. Uh, and I had a very diverse group of students because we were an intro class. So some were seniors graduating in an unrelated field and thought, hey, this could be a bonus. Maybe I can make my resume look better. And then there are students who are starting out their, their career as a designer, hopefully. Uh, so I think making your path clear, especially with your instructor, like communicating, no, I'm going into design. You'll, you'll get a little different, you'll take different nuggets out of the class, right? Than those who aren't necessarily following down that path. Um, and I had a lot of students uh, show me work that they were doing on their own. So they'd learn a skill in class and they'd try to make something on their own. And I'd give them feedback on that all the time. And I think that was a, that's a big bonus that most instructors are willing to do and not a lot of students take advantage of. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, they were lucky to have you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so um, let's talk a little bit about your generation, which is the millennial generation. Yes. And here at 8020, we really focus on being uh, experts on Gen Z. Um, because they're new, the new hot generation up and coming and they are actually the ones who are in high school and in college right now. Um, the millennials are now um, off beyond college mm -hmm. and having families, starting their careers, having babies, all that kind of stuff and they're yep. into their 30s. So um, tell me what you think it, are some of the key differences between a millennial and a Gen Z person. I've had to think about this a lot because we have such a different structure here where we have you know 
a bunch of Gen Z students and some freelancers now graduated uh, helping us with work and being really involved in the process. And I didn't think we were all that dissimilar until really working here and being like, you know what, there are some, there's different social, uh, there's different levels of social responsibility, I think. And I'm sure that's magnified because we work with brands so often and that's what we talk about and that's who we help. But seeing the pressure of um, social responsibility, I guess, is much, much higher in Gen Z, notably. And surprisingly enough, I feel like millennials still spend tons and tons of time on social media and on their phones. And Gen Zers are waver a little bit. They, they go out in nature more often and they're a little less connected. Uh, I think they're more wary of social media than some millennials are. Yes, and some people have coined Gen Z as the next greatest generation because of their incredible, you know, characteristics, their values, the, the way they're standing up for causes. Yes. Um, it's really impressive. So um, they sometimes get a bad rap, but I definitely, and we have noticed, um, yet, you know, they're trailblazing the new, the new way um, for, you know, living right and doing doing things right and standing up for what they believe is right. Yeah, and I really think there's a stronger feeling of like one person can make a difference. I think that's really strong in that generation. Um, obviously not that it's not present in others, but I think you see it more clearly. People are far more outspoken about wh what they're passionate about and, and things like that. So it's, I think it's wonderful to see, but it's definitely interesting that it's kind of uh, made itself so clear that that's exactly. a trend. And we notice now in branding and all the research that these uh, younger people are demanding it in their brands as consumers because they will pay a premium price and they will not pay for certain things because of um, the values or uh, what they're doing beyond just selling you a product. Absolutely. Yes. So. Um, that could be a whole other podcast, so we won't get into that. We'll table that for now. <laughs> um, so let's just talk about you as a brand designer, because we have now coined you as that. You're not yes. just a graphic designer, um, because you, you do the, still do fabulous graphic design, but I truly believe you are a brand designer, and um, you've created brand new brands for many of our clients, and then we've um, refreshed some brands. Mm -hmm. Um, so what does, what do you think it's like to be a brand designer? Cause I think, um, you know, people, I think students would love to think of themselves or aspire to be a brand designer. It's not used out in the common world as a career path, but I think yeah. I, I, I'm just predicting that that's going to be a position of, of the future. Yeah. I, I see it as a companion. Um, you have experience as a brand manager and I see it as the companion to that. So just like a brand manager advocates for consistency and spread and growth of a brand, that's what that brand designer can have, but from a, a building perspective, right? So it's not your responsibility to just make an effective initial brand and concept for a company, let's say. You have to build it and, and give it the roots to grow. So it needs to be flexible. You have to plan for other people to use it beyond yourself. Even if it's members of your own team internally, or you 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 know you wrap it all up and you give it to the to the client for them to use, you kind of have to 
make it and let it go and grow and, and plan for that on purpose. So it's known. So you, you plan for the ways it could grow and you build in almost a, a safety net for it to be successful in all those outcomes. Yes, and essentially what we've been doing is giving um, companies and um, departments brand toolkits and letting mm -hmm. them loose. And we've coined now the DIY of, you know, branding and marketing because we really are having to hand it over and we encourage that. We, and we all often say we don't want to hold you hostage that only we can make the edits or only, only we can make the posts or only we can, um, you know, edit your website. Yeah. We really do want to be a partner. Um, and, and they don't want, they want to, companies want to do it themselves. And I get that. And when you come from the client side, you want to be able to do it yourself. That was one of the reasons I became, um, or trained, got trained on my own, um, as a graphic designer, because I, mm -hmm. I was on the client side and I wanted to be able to get into the file and make the edits. And yep. so it inspired me. So I think there is a need for that, especially with all the entrepreneurialism and smaller businesses and, you know, companies on the internet. Um, we have to embrace that, that it can't be the agency versus the client. We have to work together. Exactly. And there's so many tools now that fill in that gap a little bit. You don't have to be able to use the creative suite to be able to make so much of this stuff. So instead of kind of keeping it all wrapped up in there, we can flow th between and, and give some things to them for them to be able to complete and feel empowered to complete on their own and know that we've given them enough of a guide that they they're confident in what their brand would say you know their what kind of language they would use and the visuals and knowing they're staying within the guidelines uh it's i think it's wonderful and it only means more people are involved and more people are excited about making the brand come to life exactly exactly and then we also see it in the influencer world which we're trying to keep up with and understand um, because people are, have their own personal brands. It's, yep. it's exploded. Um, so that's a whole other market and place where they're DIYing um, their own branding. And um, I think if you, we are able to tell them that you need a little bit of professional mm -hmm. you know, help to get it going and then cut them loose and then they're off to the races. Absolutely. Um, I think we have pretty much tackled more than what we thought nice. <laughs> and it is just so fun i just have to say i'm so glad that you found us i found you we had breakfast mm -hmm. that one day and um i can't wait to see how 8020 um hopefully explodes with your help and leadership and i know the interns love and our, our staff love working with you so thank you thank you for being an awesome partner in this business thanks kelly